the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you with us. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlecker here with Chad Robichaux, and we are going to have a discussion today about a topic you may or may not know anything about. Maybe you've heard a little bit about it. You have heard in uh, kind of what may be categorized as conspiracy world that this may be happening somewhere but it really is happening. It's happening uh, for real in a very effective way in countries like China. It is moving to the United States. And if we're not aware of it, and if we don't push back on some of the aspects of it, we will have to deal with the consequences. We're going to talk today about something called ESG for short, Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance Scores. These are the scores that many large corporations are beginning to use to determine if a person is credit worthy. Now, we're familiar with credit scores, of course. We all struggle to raise that credit score so that we can buy a house or buy a car so that we can invest. ESG scores work in a similar way, but they deal with how proactive we are on the environment, how socially connected we are, and really, in a lot of ways, uh, how compliant we are to mainstream thought, how we deal with corporate governance. We are now going to be, if those corporations that are doing this have their way, judged on those things as well to determine whether or not we are credit worthy. Can we invest? Can we purchase? Can we participate in the economy? And we hear about, about things like this again, and we think, well, that's far-fetched. We hear about these concepts like the Great Reset, and we think that can't possibly happen, not here, that happened somewhere else. But when we look at countries like China, where it is happening, we understand how citizens are being treated because of these scores. It's not a large leap to believe that given enough time and little enough pushback from us, the citizens, this is something that we'll be dealing with as well. It will have a very real impact on us. Now, when we come to something like ESG scores, the Great Reset, some of these other uh, big worldwide global issues, they can be difficult to unpack. And I'm thankful to have an incredible guest on with us today. We've had him before. He is back with us. Jack Pasovic is our guest for today's conversation. Jack has been with us before. He is the senior editor at Human Events and uh, commentator on so many of the current issues of the day. Jack, thanks for uh, taking some time to be, be back with us again today. I was going to say be, be with us, be back with us again today. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. I want to, uh, we're going to jump into this, this topic, environmental, social, and corporate governance. Um, it's a big topic. I, I know a lot of folks are talking about it, and you have some expertise there. Before we do, though, last time we had you on, it was right as the Kyle Rittenhouse thing was breaking, so that's what we were talking about. Right, yeah. um, but we mentioned your book, your children's book, Island of Free Ice Cream. Can you take, like, two minutes and talk about that, why you wrote it, and what, what that's about? Yeah, so this is part of the wider Brave Book series. You've got myself, uh, Congressman Dan Crenshaw wrote one of them, Ashley St. Clair, the Hodge Twins, 
um, whole bunch of people. And the idea is that it's a series of books and each book is about a specific, you know, topic, but to be able to teach kids in a way um, that's, that's fun and presents a story. And, you know, I've got two little boys and yeah. uh, you know, if I sit down and start telling them, it's like, well, you know, son, the way that a, that a market economy works <laughs> is when you, have, you, have, you know, supply and demand, you get it. He's not finished that, but when I tell him that, hey, there's some wolves that come from an island, and they tell you they have free ice cream, and that you should yeah. follow them back to their island, maybe don't trust them. And that's basically what the idea of the book is. It's a way to present some of these um, ideas and concepts to kids at a younger age. Start introducing them using that power of story. Um, to really just get across and then also open up. There's like a worksheet in the back that kind of asks. So, you know, why did uh, you know, why did it make sense to pay for the ice cream versus getting the free ice cream? Right. How did that work? Which yeah. one was better? Why was it that way? And then, you know, some study questions at the end. So it's it's a really cool series. You go to bravebooks.us and you can get you, I think there's going to be 12 in the first flight of it. And then so each of those one on critical race theory. Uh, Crenshaw is about, um, you know, truth versus, you know, sort of misinformation. Um, yeah. There's one on uh, there's one on transgender. They call it, uh, you know, elephants aren't birds, you know, so talking about kind of, <laughs> you know, the idea of just being, you know, ex- learning to accept yourself. By the way, that kind of an aside, but is, isn't that kind of interesting? We don't talk about that anymore. I remember growing up, they say, accept right. who you are and be proud of who you are, right? That's what we're all taught. Yeah. But now it's the opposite. It's be whatever you feel like yep. that day. By now, you've all heard me talk about MyPillow, and Mike has just announced that our customers will receive one of his books, What Are the Odds, from Crack Addict to CEO, absolutely free with any purchase using our promo code. And if you haven't heard Mike's story, you need to. Fantastic book. You'll get it for free. And now's a great time to buy not just all of the other things that they offer, but to buy yourself a pair of my slippers. Fantastic slippers. They're designed to wear indoor and outdoor all day long. I know this because I wear them indoor and outdoor as often as I can. Uh, They're fantastic. In fact, my wife and kids make fun of me for wearing them all the time. Uh, They're just that good. They're comfortable. They keep your feet warm. Made with quality leather suede. They are fantastic. For a limited time, Mike is offering 50% off of his My Slippers using our promo code. Here's what you need to do. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use the promo code SITREP. That's promo code SITREP. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including some overstock products such as individual towels, blankets, comforters, so much more. Anything you need for your house, you can find it there. Uh, Find it there or call 1-800-870-0283 and use the promo code SITREP. Yeah, things have certainly changed. Um, I'm glad that we're addressing this with kids, though. My my niece is um, seven, and my sister said, I just got... uh, Jack's new book, and I got it for Sophia, and uh, they're pretty excited about it. So, yeah, it's great to be able to communicate this at an early age and start thinking right before you are indoctrinated by the rest of the world. I think it's so important because, uh, you know, the communists, the socialists, those on the left have been very intentional and, and to their credit, very good at targeting the youth and targeting children and, and trying to influence them and and, uh, you know, I don't think conservatives have done as good, as good of a job lately. So to yeah. hear, you know, we're doing this is just so, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, you walk into any, walk into any Barnes and Noble or major bookstore and that the first thing you see is that table. You know exactly what table I mean, right? It's the one, it's all kids books, yeah. all the authors. It's either written by, you know, an Obama or a Clinton or a Harris or a Biden. <laughs> right. 
And you're right. like, what is all this? Why is it being put front and center like that? You know, this political stuff didn't used to be, yeah. and it, you know, it certainly wasn't derived for kids. So this is the way, look, you can't just complain about it. You got to actually fight back. And most of those people can't read or write anyhow. So, you know, somebody else put it out. So. <laughs> well, they're picture books. So, it, you know. It's, they are picture books, know, yes. They make or it, or they, can't, they can't govern, so they get someone else to govern for them. They look, look, this right. is what I've always, uh, there's a line, and I know we're supposed to talk about ESG, but. I have, a, I have something I said about this when they say, well, Jack, do you, you, you just hate liberals. That's all you do, right? You just hate liberals. You talk about how much you hate liberals. I say, no, I love liberals. I think they're great. I think that they're real good at, like, making food and art and, you know, high cuisine and, you know, you know cinema, you know, acting and these types of things. Right. I think they're wonderful at that because that requires more of an emotional center rather than a logical, rational center, right? You want yeah. art. So there are different industries that lend themselves to art. I just want, don't want them in charge of anything. <laughs> yeah, just stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane. Yeah, stay in, That's all we're asking for. Stay in your lane. We'll be good. Yeah. Stay in your That's lane. How it used to be. Make, make a little heart or giraffe on the top of my latte. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I have no idea how to do that. I'll never figure that out. I'm okay with it. So can you explain our listeners to what ESG is? and where mm. it comes from. Yeah, so ESGs, this is something that if you go back into early 2020, and it almost hit right at the same time that the pandemic was coming out, and so a lot of people weren't paying attention to what exactly was going on on Wall Street, these new plans that were coming out from groups like the World Economic Forum, Davos, a lot of high-mindedness behind it, a lot of uh, titles like the Great Reset, Build Back Better. These were yeah. all you know, words that we've heard again and again lately, but where does it all come from, right? Well, it does all come from the same agenda. And ESGs, it's really the, the, originally was the idea, they used to call it things like the carbon tax or green credits, or remember mm, cabin yeah. trade. You know, this is just the next iteration in the long line of ways that powerful uh, elites and whether you want to call them like liberals or it's not even necessarily Democrats or the Democrat party, but people that work with the, the funding, right. Or the donations to them, uh, on wall street coming in and saying, look, we know we haven't been able to get past any of these things legislatively and the Greta stuff, it just doesn't work. The carbon credits, it doesn't fly. We haven't been able to figure out a way to make this work. So what do we do? Well, they go to wall street and they say, look, we're going to institute these things through the largest money market firms in the world. We're talking places like BlackRock. We're talking places yeah. like Vanguard. Yeah. Um, and that filters out to the commercial banks you might be more familiar with, the investment banks like a Merrill Lynch or a Bank of America, Citigroup, et cetera. They all have this. If you go sign in, if you have a Merrill Lynch account, you can actually sign into your account. You'll see your ESG score. And so what is an ESG score? So environmental social governance. The idea is that it's essentially a corporate social credit score, very similar to the social credit scores that you would see in China. And so it used to just be that, well, if you're a good investor, you're, you're making money and, or if you're a good company that's profitable, you're doing well. And then we can see your investments and that's part of your portfolio. And then you take that to the street and you say, Hey, you know, invest with these guys, look at their earnings, invest with these guys, look at what they're doing. You know, Facebook is, is well, it's going down right now, but normally you do want to see more growth, right? So growth equals more investment, throw some money behind that, make, make more money off it. But now they've added another wrinkle to all of that. And they say, well, if we add in this ESG score, environmental social governance, then we can set up a new system by which the only way that people can get their loans from these money managers or get greater investment from money managers 
is if you have a higher ESG score. And then so the question is going to be, you know, then you can set people up in different lanes. And the beauty of it for them is you don't need legislation for this. You don't even need an executive order from the president of the United States. It just happens. Right. So they reconstruct, they restructure the actual financial system so that it can go towards what they call green industries and it can go away from what they call brown industries. You know, if you're investing Mm -hmm. something like like oil pipelines, you know, who needs those? Right. Those are ridiculous. Um, or if you're investing in something like coal, because, you know, we certainly don't need that, even though we get the majority of our energy in this country from coal. Now, keep in mind that, of course, those same rules don't apply if you're investing in, you're perfectly free to invest in coal and pipelines and rail and industry, heavy industry, if you're investing in China, because they get a different right. score, and right. they get a different score. So the idea is it's a way to implement these policies and implement these desires, these policy desires through the financial system, which they haven't been able to do through the legislative system. And this is actually something where, you know, I know it sounds very, um, you know, very caustic, but you can go to YouTube right now and just type in BlackRock ESG or type in, you know, ESG, et cetera. And you can find Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock, talking about how ESG is going to change the world, how it's going to be smart, responsible, what they call stakeholder capitalism. So the right. stakeholder capitalism is we're going to move beyond just profits and we're going to get into all these other things. But what's interesting is that if you actually look at it, even if you're someone who really believes in these types of ideals, you can look at it and you say, well, wait a minute, you're, you're just using this money to invest in China, but claiming that you're investing in like, woke racial justice social justice stuff here in the united states but you're still making all your money off of china and this isn't doing anything it's a shell game right it's a shell game and a smokescreen to make it look like they're paying lip service to all of these various things that they're forcing on the united states they're forcing u.s companies to do whereas if you go over overseas you're perfectly fine it is it, and we are talking by the way places like blackrock their money management firm seven trillion dollars yeah right this is larger than the gdp of some countries a lot of countries so this is why you see so many of these companies these days and you say man why why is this why is my bank pushing all this woke stuff on me why is hollywood pushing all this woke stuff you see it all over the place it's because there's so much money attached to it when um we hear about things like the great reset we hear about esg these 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 concepts these things are happening Again, you can find videos, you can find people talking about them, you can see it unfolding in other countries. A lot of people in the United States would say, well, that's not going to affect me. I'm not a big investor. I don't have a lot of money, Um, whatever. When you talk to kind of normal people, people who have jobs and they're investing in their 401k and they hope to retire someday and they're saving up for their summer vacation, how does something like this impact them? Or what what potentially will be the impact on... Average people. So this is this is where inflation comes from, right? So why do why do the why do the big banks why do places like BlackRock why do they love investment, right? Well, it, there's this idea of something called the Cantillon effect, and this was written by this this French economist uh, back in the 1800s, and he said he he noticed that whenever in the Kingdom of France, whenever they would find or wherever they were in the French Empire around the world, whenever they would find a new gold mine, it would be the people who were closest mm-hmm. to the king seemed to benefit more. And everybody right. else, suddenly the prices went up everywhere. Now, this is the exact same thing that you're seeing happen mm-hmm. when it comes to money printing and when it comes to the Fed. Because the Fed isn't just going to go and print money and distribute it to everybody. 
they're going to go and distribute it directly to the people at the top. And then the idea is that it's going to filter down. But that's obviously not how it works, because the people at the top go and invest in the industries they want. They go invest in BlackRock is now becoming this massive real estate broker around the country. They're buying up houses. They and then making it so they're pricing the regular person out of the market. Or if you're in a situation where you're um, you're trying to move, you're trying to sell or trying to buy a house. All right. You are not able to get in. So when you're looking at millennials, you're looking at Zoomers. That's why home ownership is completely down with them because they are totally priced out of the market by right. these massive firms that are coming in and really gobbling up all this stuff. Mm. Uh, another yeah. example. The, and of course, we can all see the inflation that's going on, whether it be at the gas pump or whether yeah. it be at the grocery store or whether it be shut. This is where it all comes mm. from. They are printing as if there's no tomorrow. Now it's starting to come to an end. So they know they're going to have to do a rate hike. But it's not going to affect the people that were closest to the money printer, right? Because they were closest to the king when the king found the new gold mine. They're not worried about it. It's everybody else who has to deal with this. And plus, the other thing, by the way, the other line about the Great Reset. So people say, well, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, right? That's kind of the the tagline of the Great Reset. It's all viral. People say, what does that mean? You'll own nothing and be happy. Well, I just talked about home ownership and how it's becoming harder and harder for millennials and Zoomers to be able to get that wealth formation that enables them to buy homes. And this, of course, we know that home ownership ha- is something that induces later the family formation and yep. getting roots. And then, of course, owning a yep. home is typically in the United States, um, the way that you pass wealth down, wealth transfer in your family, um, that it goes on from one generation to the next. They've totally, um, they've totally disrupted that entire flow. And so now if you've got people who can't own a home, now you're going to be a renter. But wait a minute. It's not just that you're going to be a renter and that you're paying money to BlackRock. We can also see this same idea of moving everything in society from an ownership model to a subscription model, which is essentially the same as renting. You're subscribing to your housing, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, and I point out to people Netflix, right? We changed hmm. owning movies to renting movies from yeah. a service overnight and nobody even noticed, right? Because who goes and buys blu-rays and dvds some people get 4k if you're a real affectionado i get that but the vast majority of people they rent they subscribe right. to a service the, the movie is sent to them but you don't own that uh it's the same deal with ebooks it's the same deal in the video game market i'm not you know i would you know i'm not a big gamer guy i don't have any systems but that is the new model right you don't buy games anymore you subscribe then the game pushes an update. It pushes some new content. There's some new characters, some new levels yep. that you can get in. And so this becomes a subscription service. The idea is that you're never actually owning anything yourself. You're just at the mercy of everyone that you're subscribing from. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. From a corporate standpoint, what's the benefit of adopting this stakeholder capitalism from a, from a corporate position? Well, from a corporate position, it's, you know... It, to their perspective, they, if they know that's the system, you know, if I can get a loan at a lower rate because I have a better ESG score, then of course I want to op- I want to move to up my ESG score. If they know that they, if they uh, produce, this, it's the same reason that back in the day you would see them pushing uh, cor- these call it corporate corporate social responsibility, right? And you know, oh, I give this much to charity and I I do this for the people, and so you don't have to worry about all the the millions and millions that I'm yeah. making and you know, um, the wealth (laughs) disparity that's going on in this country and has been exacerbating because real wages have not been growing over the past 18 months. And prior to the Trump administration, you didn't see real wages grow for the working class in this country for something like 30, 40 years. 
right? Um, because if wages are not growing, outpacing inflation, then you're actually starting to see real, that's real wages, right? So you'll see wage growth, but if it doesn't outpace inflation, your wages are going down. That means if you've got money in your bank account because of inflation, you're actually losing money, right? And they, they make it so complicated because they don't want your, your check-to-check worker, your ship worker uh, to know that that's what's actually going on. They make it very complicated in terms of this. But the idea is that they want you locked into debt. They want you locked into one of these subscription services, you know, uh, self-driving cars, Uber, you know, you're going to have an Uber that just comes and drives you to work back and forth. What do you need to own a car for? You know, you're already seeing this in cities, right? People don't own cars. And so that's essentially the system that they want people to be in. And at the end of the day, it is something that takes away personal responsibility, personal liberty, individual freedoms. And it's really something that goes, it just cuts against the grain of everything America was supposed to be. What, if you could define the end state, what is the end state that these companies are hoping for? Is it, is it purely financial? This is something that just, you know, just me personally looking at large corporations like Target and, you know, some of these companies, uh, organizations uh, that sell things that we need that seem to be willing to forego profit right now so that they can push these agendas well, so it doesn't make sense to me. What are they trying to accomplish ultimately? Is it just financial? Well, I, you're, you're actually, you know, Target's a great example of this. So one thing that you're starting to see in the clothing industry, uh, dresses, right? So, you know, my wife, you know, we go out to an event here in DC, you know, we're doing some muckety muck thing with congressmen or whatever it is. And she wants to get a new dress. Well, the new system that you saw this with first with rent the runway and now other places, um, the department stores, big box stores are, are putting this out as well. It's, well, just rent your dress, right? You just rent a dress for the night yeah, and that enables them to be able to sell that dress over and over and over rather than sell it once. So the idea being that you're not, um, you know, so your inventory now becomes liquid. So your inventory isn't stationary where, you know, you purchase something, you hold, you're holding it, then you sell it. Now it comes back to you and you're able to sell it again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so hard to understand when you when you look at it from the outside. And, you know, there's so much talk of environmentalism and responsibility. And, uh, you know, we all have a role to play. But underneath all of that, because it just doesn't make sense, there is a profit motivation. It's, like it's all profit else. motivation. You've got people there. I mean, you could just look at the Beijing Olympics right now and the fact that Shoot, that, yeah, well. that ski run, right, the big jump, yeah. big air. Is, what a picture that is. Crazy. You know, in the middle of. And by the way, just for anyone who hasn't been there, I spent two years living in China. All of Beijing looks like that, right? That's not the only thing that's different about that specific uh, image of Beijing is that they've they've turned the factories and smokestacks off for about about a month or so, maybe six weeks to be able to clear up the sky. So that's much, much, much cleaner than it normally would look. And to me, that's just a flex, really. That's a flex from China saying, look, (laughs) we're not even going to let you go up to the mountains. We're going to make you we're going to bring you here to the industrial park and you're going to do it because that's how much we own you. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs, offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. 
Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. Yeah, I don't think it's it's separate at all. I mean, I think this idea of ESGs, this idea of a financial system. Um, so I, I mentioned the phrase stakeholder capitalism earlier, right? Well, when Deng Xiaoping took over the party, the CCP back in the 1970s, so Mao dies, right? And then everybody else in the party says, okay, we, we have to do something. We can't just have this full-on communism anymore. Tens yeah. of millions of people have been killed. It's not working. Our country's you know, totally backwards from everywhere else. And, you know, we can see Japan taking off, South Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, they're all taking off. We got to do something. But Deng Xiaoping comes up and says, look, we still got to stay in power. So we have to find a way where we can unleash the markets, but then also stay in power at the same time. And he came up with this idea of a phrase called market Leninism. So this idea that you're combining communism with markets. This, and it, when I hear market Leninism and then I hear stakeholder capitalism, it kind of feels yeah. like it's, yeah. you know, two sides of the same coin to me where right. you're creating a class of people. Now, in, in China, it's easy to see that class of people because they are the party. And if you run it by the numbers, it's essentially one percent of the Chinese population. I mean, of course, you have massive one point four billion. Right. They call them the Lao Bai Xing, the old hundred names of China. Um, that's that's your average person. That's your, your working class, your middle class, which is growing. And but then you have the one percent. That's the party. That's your elites. Well, we have that in the U.S. as well. We just don't have a fancy name for it, meetings like the CCP, but uh, we essentially do have that. And certainly people here in Washington will say sometimes it kind of feels like there's only one party in Washington. Yeah. And then instead of two, they just kind of use that as an illusion of competition against each other. But what what you're really seeing, though, is and I I saw this when I was at the Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai. I saw this when I was working in, in international business. You would get American politicians and businessmen would come over to Shanghai, and they would hear about that system where you have total government control. So it's government and business are combined together. They have total control and the people don't have any say whatsoever. Now they're allowed to go, you know, shopping and they're allowed to have jobs and they're allowed to work, but have any say in the, in the system? No, not, not at all. So, you know, if they want to build a high speed rail, then boom, get out of the way. We're building it. If you, you want to build a pipeline or a railroad, You've got a bunch of Uyghurs in your way. Well, send them off to camp, hmm. right? right? You know what? You know, who? You know who's going to allow them to say anything if we want to build a pipeline down to Pakistan so we can get oil out of uh, out of Saudi Arabia and Iran, right? That's that's what's going on there. Yeah. And so, by the same token, I think that when we we used to say, and I, I wrote a piece in Newsweek last week, kind of laying this out, but you know, the crux of it was we used to say that if we open up to China then they'll see our system and they'll fall in love with it. And that will make the Chinese people go democratic, right? That that'll make democracy in China. 
But if you actually look at what's happened over the last 20 years, it's kind of been the opposite, right? Right. Our leaders got a look at their system and they said, hey, we like this because you don't have to worry about public opinion. You don't have to worry about what these people have to say. We can all get rich and we can be in control. And, you know, we'll just tell them that it's for climate or racial justice or, you know, we'll come up with some reason that we have to be in control. The same way the CCP says they're, you know, they're they're working for the people and serving the party and serving the country, et cetera, whatever. Right. It's not about that. That's just a way to get them to buy in. So I really do think that it's been the authoritarianism from China that's come into the U.S. And you see this also, by the way, with the Joe Rogan situation with Spotify. Right. So people aren't going after him because he said this or he said that, you know, dragging up comments out of context from a decade ago, decade plus. It's it's about who has control. So it's it's very similar to this ESG system that there is going to be one set of people that that are in control and by the way if you think that the pharma industry doesn't have any influence over Hmm. over wall street or over uh these corporate over silicon valley in terms of their advertising power when pfizer just i I believe the pfizer vaccine just put up the uh it, it became the most the most profitable vaccine in one year in history in all of history, right? So well, when it's mandated for everyone, that's yeah, uh, exactly yeah, good, very helpful, great business to be in, man. Right? Boy, I would, I would love to mandate that everybody has to download my podcast, <laughs> right. or you know, everybody has to go buy a my pillow or something. Wait, but, is there no, <laughs> is there no like so it's, regulations you know, it, or rails on something like that? Sorry, go ahead. Is is there no like? I mean, shouldn't it be like some kind of when I'm, if there's a root, this truly a pandemic, a state of emergency, shouldn't there be some kind of regulations or rails on profitability? And something like this. I mean, see, there you go again. Right. You're not supposed <laughs> to be like everything else. <laughs> you just, you know, it's uh, this is they're just doing it out of the kindness of their hearts and <laughs> the fact that they're putting away millions and getting the golden parachutes and all of it. That's just that's just for their service to the country. The fact that you know Anthony Fauci is is the highest paid federal servant. Um, you know that he's got something like. You're like I think like nine figures in in investments over the years. That's just wow. you know don't don't ask questions about that stuff. No, but yeah. you know, and and not to really go down that that path, but I'm just saying that you're seeing the exact same things happen in the U.S. under our new system and vis-a-vis Joe Rogan that you would see happen in China if somebody came out and really started questioning the power system. You're seeing that exact same thing. Only we don't call it the CCP; we call it the ESG. Yeah. So. When we look at that, we look at all these things. The question I always like to ask is, what do we do about it? Uh, we don't want that to happen. It's happening. What can what can we do to push back on it? What's the process for that? Yeah, I, and I think you're starting to see that already. Um, I think awareness obviously is really big when it comes to this. You know, turning around and going to our these these firms and saying, you know, I don't want to do business with a bank that does that. I I want to you know close my account and go to someone that's not involved right. in that. And there and there right. there obviously might be pain involved with it. Um, I think you're going to, by the way, see a correction come very soon here when it comes to the Fed, because they realize and, and Yellen and everyone there realize that uh, who's the secretary Treasury now that th- they can't just keep going on printing money. Right. It's got to come to a head. And that's right, why sure. it's, it's very interesting to me that Xi Jinping, who's someone that I, fo- I focus on a lot when he went to Davos two weeks ago, he doesn't usually comment on specific policies. He usually just kind of makes these broad statements about, you know, we must work together. We all must cooperate, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But he right. made a very veiled comment about risk, about raising um, 
raising interest rates in the United States because he realizes that those places like BlackRock, BlackRock is one of the only wholly owned mutual fund firms that's allowed to operate in China. And that's right. I think has come out and said this. Ray Dalio has yep. come out from Bridgewater. They're tripling down on their investments in China. And yep. she knows that a lot of that money is going his way, going towards the CCP, going towards China. He doesn't want to, to shut that off. And I think here in the United States, we need to realize that we've been literally financing the rise of our greatest adversary in the world. And that, you know, maybe we need to start thinking about this in a different way. Maybe it's not the Milton Friedman version of, you know, free flow of capital, free flow of people across borders, that yeah. actually countries do matter. And that we need to start taking some steps to actually shore up our own supply chain, shore up our own country. And if that means taking federal action against people like this or, you know, taking actions that the Chamber of Commerce don't like, which the Chamber of Commerce just came out today and said they want to drop. They want more uh, tariff waivers for when it comes to China. They said, oh, it's going to be better for the U.S. We drop the tariffs, wow. do more waivers. Wow. That'll really be. No, it's not going to be better for the U.S. It's going to be better for the Chamber of Commerce. Better for China. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Man, Jack, so much here. We need to talk more about this. Yeah, but where can a, people like follow you? Upgrade a little bit, I think. Yeah, <laughs> where can people follow you and uh, continue to hear you talk about things like this? I mean, so many other issues at stake. Yeah, the main main spot for me where I hang my hat is humanevents.com, and then we do the podcast every day, Human Events Daily. That's that's powered with the Turning Point Network. So you know, Turning Point, awesome. I go speak to their events, and we you know we're on their um, their podcast network, and it's been a really really great relationship with those guys. So anywhere you get podcasts, Human Events. Uh, daily. That's where we're at. Beautiful. Jack Posobiec, thank you very much, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. There is a lot there. That's a great conversation, but so much left to unpack. Uh, Many of these issues we we have to not only have a conversation about, but then think about, have a second conversation, do some research, investigate. But uh, thankful for Jack and his uh, clarity with which he understands these issues and helps us to understand them. Uh, These, when we talk about those perspectives, the resources that we need to navigate an ever-changing culture. We can't just hang on to the ones that make sense to us. We have to know there are other things going on that are happening, whether we see it or not. This is one of those issues. ESG scores, how corporations are treating us, how they're manipulating markets so that we can get or they can get us, rather, to do what they want us to do so that they can profit from us. It's all about profit. It always has been. It always will be. And they can cloak it in these other terms. Uh, but it comes down to their bottom line at our expense. I'm very, very thankful we could have a conversation about this and would encourage you to spend more time looking into this. Hopefully, at some point, we can have Jack back on and, and uh, break some of these things down further. Watch what's happening in China and understand that if we don't do our part here, we could end up dealing with the very same issues. Very thankful for that conversation and uh, so many great things said there. If you are listening to this podcast, please make sure that you are subscribed to whatever platform it is you're listening from. Want to make sure that you receive these episodes as soon as they come out. We are doing three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we want to make sure that you get every episode as soon as it posts. You can also, and uh, I would encourage you to listen, of course, you may be driving or working out or whatever you're doing, but also take some time to go over to the Salem Network. This is where we are hosted. Very thankful for our relationship with Salem. Go to SalemPodcastNetwork.com, SalemPodcastNetwork.com. You can find all of the archived episodes of this show, other incredible podcast episodes, and also there, 
you can find the video episodes of uh, these podcasts. We provide video as well. So if you prefer that, you can check that out. That would be awesome. If you'd like more information about Chad, go to chadrobishow.com, chadrobishow.com. You can find out more about him, the work that he does, find all of his socials there. That would be a fantastic place to look. More information about me can be found using my name, jeremystalmaker.com. And uh, there's another podcast that I'm involved in, a blog that I write there, other information and content that you can find there as well. And finally, giving you a lot of homework today. Finally, (laughs) if you are interested in the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you've heard us talk about that. Uh, That's the work that Chad and I do with veterans and active duty service members. Go to MightyOaksPrograms.org and you can find out everything there is to know about us. You can find out how to connect with us and uh, we'd love to help you in any way that we can. Thank you once again for joining us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Some of them will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like... (laughs) I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went, and I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.